Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' series, a month-long event celebrating the authors and narrators that bring romance stories to life. Listen along as Viviana, Enchantress of Books, interviews your favorite writers and voices, share special guest posts, and stay tuned for some special information at the conclusion of the episode. Hi, everyone. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with guest author Sienna Snow. Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' series, Sienna. How are you doing today? I am doing great today. Awesome. Thank you for being here. Why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been writing and how you got started? Um, I am known in my uh, author circles as the author with a sweet face and a dirty mind. <laughs> um, I started writing um, around 2015, but didn't publish my first book until the end of 2016. And I went traditional. And then I decided to go indie in 2018 because I have control issues. And after that, I never looked back. I just love um, being indie. And then I found my niche in 2019 with dark romance because I kind of love the anti-hero bad boy. I love giving them their happily ever after. And that's kind of like my wheelhouse. I found it and that's where I stay. Mm -hmm. You and I met a few years ago at a shameless book club here in um, Orlando, Florida. And yeah. you're right. You have the sweet face with the dirty mind uh, <laughs> because when people were looking and introducing, we were, we actually were doing in a table and they do this thing, almost like speed dating where all the, everybody in the table is, tell things about each other and I'm thinking oh this is Sienna so I had not done any research yet and I'm thinking well she probably writes cute contemporary romance or maybe some historical sweet stuff like that and then she busted out with him going oh okay hi <laughs> <laughs> I like you <laughs> I try to write clean and then I just veer left and I just can't do it it's like I ha I cannot close the door for the life of me it has to be all there yeah. Well, that's good too. I mean, and there's nothing wrong. And I, that's the other thing I like the term like clean romance versus not. It's, it's just one of those, like one, like you were saying, I prefer to do the whole like face to black or closed doors. And, you know, sometimes we want to, and sometimes we don't, and that's okay. And that's all good. And that's why we have it. But, um, but yeah, that whole definition of sweet face, but dirty minds, I was like, that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> You sort of touched on the the genre that you're mostly um, in your wheelhouse as far as the um, dark romance. Mm -hmm. What is it about specifically, though, aside from giving the hero the happily ever after that you really love about that, that you just keep writing in it? Well, you know, dark romance is pretty broad. It can be anything from dubcon to, you know, just kind of like the kidnapping stuff. I don't go to that extreme mine is more like the the anti-hero mm -hmm. and I love the guy that isn't perfect I like the imperfect hero who hasn't had the perfect background who kind of is that you know what most times people would think is the villain but he's not I like that guy so like mm -hmm. even in you know certain movies or something I gravitate towards who would possibly be the bad guy and then trying to give him that happily ever after mm -hmm. kind of thing and that's what I like. I like the guy that you would not expect to be the hero to be the hero. Yeah, no, the, the anti-hero is, is one of my favorite um, subgenres and tropes because you don't expect it. And you're also kind of wondering and playing, okay, how is, she, how is she, the author, going to do this? Make me like the guy, fall in love with him, and redeem himself. Um, and you guys are really good at that. Is there a subgenre of romance that you have not written in that you'd like to at one point in time? 
There is. Um, it's kind of like, you know, I started writing in it and my girlfriends keep pushing me towards it. And I started a book and then I was just like, all right, I've got to write it. I want to write fantasy. I want to write dark fantasy. Hmm. And I've written a few chapters and I kind of know what I want to do, but maybe in the future I might write it because I, I already have the story in my head and it's totally wild, but it's, I'm going to write it one day. Um, and what is your process when it comes down to writing stories? Do you plot, plan, a panster, journal? I mean, how do you go about writing a story? So I'm a planster. So I <laughs> generally have an idea of what I want to do. And then I sit down to write and it just goes in a different direction. Because even the book that I'm writing right now, it's the third book to the series I'm doing. I had an idea and I sat down to write it. And I even like did it like a sketch outline. It was very loose. And then when I wrote the first chapter, I'm like, I hate this chapter. And so I put it away and I decided to write it a different way. And then even that first ch chapter veered left. And I was like, oh, I like it more this way. So my whole story is completely different than when I originally was sitting down to start. So I just kind of go with my characters. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I have a general idea and I know exactly how it's going to end. But the middle is just completely on its own. And when you say that you let the characters speak for themselves, are you one of the authors that hears their voices in their heads um, and they kind of take over? Or do you just kind of have an idea based on how things are falling onto the paper? I hear, so I write to music. And so when I'm, it's really crazy. I listen to, I have a very eclectic sense of music. I love hip hop. I love EDM. I'm, I love rap. So I'll be listening to my crazy eclectic music tracks. I'll even go to like old school hip hop and from like the nineties and the eighties and something will trigger a scene and I'll literally put it into a playlist on Spotify and then I'll go back to it and I'll know I'm like, this scene has to be in my book because it'll make me think of something I want in my book. And then I'll play that song over and over again while I'm writing that scene until I get it right. So you do have those playlists available mm -hmm. for listeners um, and readers? Well, I haven't actually made them available because <gasps> I, um, I've i never really done that. And I've had readers ask, and I was like, well, a lot of my playlists have a lot of cuss words in it. And it's like, you know, it's a lot of F-bombs and it's a lot of a lot of sexual and it's conversations and stuff. It's like, it's not clean. And so then- um, You do realize who your audience is, right? Yes, it's I know. Romance. <laughs> So it's like, you know, there, there's a whole, there's one song. It's, it's pretty like, it's like a violent sex song. And huh. I thought, oh my, and I even uh, did an interview once and I was, they're like, give me that song. So I sent the link to them and they're like, this song is awesome, but it's totally like a Dubcon sex song. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a whole scene to it. And I was like, it is one of my favorite sex scenes I've ever written. <laughs> I think sometimes it's we're. I mean, I'm very protected too sometimes when it comes down to, you know, maybe potential shock value mm -hmm. of what the other person is when they ask questions or if they knew that I listened to, for example, Nordic Viking songs at times. Um, people are like, oh, okay, yeah, because I, I too have very eclectic. Um, yeah, my, my uh, playlists are all over the place. But I think it's kind of cool when we get to have that insight information a little bit. And then, then we have that moment where almost like, oh, cl it clicks. And we now totally understand where that scene there's something to it. You know, there's something extra that we're going, oh, because the song just makes it all better. So mm -hmm. if you ever think about that. 
Let us know. Yeah, because I, I, it's crazy that I know the plot of book four already because I was driving one day and a song came on and it literally triggered how the whole plot of book four is going to happen. And I haven't even written book three yet. <laughs> and I was like, man. So then I put it into a, a playlist for book four because I was just like, okay, I already know what's going to happen in that book. Wow. But okay. music really triggers my writing. Mm-hmm. One of my questions was going to be like, when it comes down to your ideas for these stories, is it mostly just in the music or do you have other ways of getting these ideas that pop into your head for the books? Um, sometimes I'll be like, you know, I'll watch a show. I'll watch, I'll go somewhere, travel. Um, before the pandemic, I traveled everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just something, it's my passion. I love to travel. I love to see the world. And I always want to put places into my books. And I remember like the Gods of Vegas series happened because on my 40th birthday, my husband surprised me with a trip to Vegas with my friends. And the whole series was born there. And I knew I was going to write a series about bad boys in Vegas. (laughs) And it started with, I went to the Chandelier Bar in the Cosmopolitan and my husband took me to have this drink where um, you eat this flower And when you eat this flower before you take your uh, drink, because they put it right on top of the drink and the bartender literally says, eat the flower, then drink. So I ate the flower, my mouth went numb, and then I drank. And as my, my taste buds came back, the drink tasted incredible. And the guy said, it's a, the flower is like in the family of the elderflower. And literally that's how my book came about the first book in the gods of vegas series because my heroine she created an elderflower whiskey and that's how like it's literally how my book started because i knew my heroine was going to do something like that that's so cool and now i'm curious about that drink and uh... (laughs) well once vegas opens up go to the chandelier bar there that Mm -hmm. bar is incredible too yeah i've been there once for for convention the rt book lovers convention um mm-hmm. the and i uh, did vegas and stayed actually in my room for most of the time as um, unless we were doing the events until one of my best friends showed up and surprised me on uh, like close to like the third day before we left and then she took me sightseeing and that was one of the rooms and i remember it because of all the chandeliers and the crystals and and stuff like that did not know about that drink though so when i do go yeah, back and there, it's only it. served on the third floor the very top floor of the bar nice so you have to ask for it Okay, good to know. Mm-hmm. On my list of things to do now. Um, so aside from those inspiration moments, when it comes down to your real life things, like that girlfriend trip that you got for your birthday, is that stuff too that you include sometimes as part of your writing? Um, I, I include certain experiences from my mm-hmm. travels. I don't include like actual things that I've done because mm-hmm. some of that um, I keep private. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I've done some wild stuff and I won't put that in my books because my girlfriends are like, you know, you got to keep that private. <laughs> yes. Yep. But it always sound, seems to, we are, we're always curious when the author writes these scenes and we're like, I wonder if she went skydiving and that's why she went and decided to add that to the book. Well, those kind of things I have <laughs> put in, like, you know, I've, I've been, I've have a unique past cause you wouldn't think I would, but, um, looking at me but yeah I put some of that stuff in my books but I don't put the exact situation in Mm -hmm. cool when it comes down to the writing process itself what type of scene do you love to write I love writing sex scenes I know a lot of people don't Mm -hmm. but I enjoy that because if I have a good sex scene in my head 
I can just knock it out. It's a, it's the ones that, um, that um, if I, if I feel like the sex scene is forced, I won't put it in the book because that's hard for me to, if it, if I feel like it's hard to write, then I know it doesn't need to be in the book. I know sometimes um, it's, I think you're actually my second guest that says that their favorite is the sex scenes. Usually it's not like you mentioned um, the author's favorite. They'll write a insert sex scene here and then keep writing the story <laughs> and then they'll go back to it. My sex scenes, they kind of, it's part of the story. So mm -hmm. like there's stuff that happens in the sex scene that if I didn't put it in, it wouldn't make sense. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of emotion and things are happening in the sex scene besides the sex. And so if I don't put it in, it won't make sense. Yeah, that's definitely one of the reasons why I do love your books is that sometimes um, it feels like there might be th those types of scenes are used as fillers to get to one point to another or just to add more, you know, anything fill in the blank whether it's a sex the sexual content or any or just the more steaminess but you're you're tend to actually be part of that process where you're giving us more info whether like you said it was emotional or just in their conversations that's happening yeah and I think that's how you know it really should be I've had girlfriends ask me they're like can you just write my sex scenes for me I was like <laughs> I don't know your story I can't do it well, well, that's a compliment and <laughs> at the same time I did wow that's good well it's 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 hard sometimes because you're also not only worrying about the storyline, but you're also sometimes have to, when it comes down to describing if his hand was first up here and now it's down there, you know, and mm -hmm. how many people or, or hands are there and like, wait, it looks like there's three people because of the extra hand, but there's only two. So I can imagine that that's also I also part have of an the... amazing editor who will call me out on that. Like, <laughs> she'd be like, hold up, homie. You know, <laughs> this is not happening. She is so rough on me, but the, we've done, um, right now we've done 13 books together and she pulls no punches. I love my editor because she's just ruthless with me. She's like, no, his dick's not supposed to be there. <laughs> so she'll call me out. That's good though. I mean, it's, it's, it's important to have those individuals in your life, whether professional or, or pro in, in your personal life that will call you out on things, Yes, you know, um, but especially when it comes down to that, because then you'll end up getting dinged on it uh, on a review or oh, yeah. something won't make sense. So it's awesome that you have an editor that is spot on and that is going to say to you saying, no, the dick doesn't, that's not where the dick belongs. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine those notes that you guys write to each other on this on the side there. Dick doesn't go here, dude. Um. <laughs> yeah, she put like, you know, she was just like, okay, what's supposed to be here? And then she puts in like, you know, like these little exclamation points and she'll do, you know, little, you know, emojis and we have a good relationship. So it's fun. That is good. That's awesome. So on the opposite spectrum of the more difficult scenes are there anything specifics that you're going Ugh, or depending on the story are the difficult scenes and what are those look like the hardest scenes for me are when I get stuck like it's uh, when I'm writing and writing and writing and then I write myself into a corner mm. and then I'm like wait a second this doesn't go with my plot do I need to delete this because it's just sometimes I'll just write and then I realize this has nothing to do with my story. I just wrote a bunch of, you know, I wrote 10,000 words that do nothing for my story. It's just like filler. Mm -hmm. And I, and it's that struggle to, do I delete it? Do I do it? So I literally, um, you know, cut and then paste it into a word document. So in case I need it, 
I don't delete it, but it's there. Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest part for me when I have to like cut scenes because they don't push the story. It's just stuff I wrote. But it's it's good if you're able to use that stuff over again. But I know that you guys have deadlines and I know that's Mm -hmm. a a lot. And I sometimes just save it and then I'll I'll have readers say, I was like, do you guys want to see a deleted scene? I was like, it has nothing to do with anything, but it's a scene that I threw out. Mm-hmm. and readers want to just look at it and I was like it's not edited so don't give me you know crap about it and they'll read it <laughs> yeah again it's part of the inside of the process um the readers tend to fall in love with the authors as a person especially when there's reader groups involved and you guys are part of it and are you know popping in same thing now with the narrators groups where you guys are popping in and sharing stuff those are things that we get um to know you better and thus more curious and intrigued about other things and uh, yeah sure delete it seemed great and then also sometimes when we see something we're like oh ooh, okay and then you kind of get a memory of like that deleted scene or something if it's ever reused for something else you mm-hmm. know someone else has done stuff like that you mentioned about having some of these experiences that you know of or have done into the books a little bit as far as but from a character perspective the ones that you of the characters that you've created is there one that you connect the most with and why So um, I put a little bit of myself in all the characters. Um, I really had a connection with um, Henna from Master of Revenge because she was was, uh, so all business and that's how I had to be in when I, before I became a writer and I was in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, she, she was a female in an all male kind of world. And that's what I did. I was in finance and I was an executive in finance and it was a really hard position to be in. And I, and I remember I channeled all the crap I dealt with there for her, but the one, the character that I absolutely love the most, that's kind of is the one Danica. Like she's, she's my nerdy other half. Like I just love her so much because she's geeky in like I am. I'm really a geek. <laughs> yeah, I, so for, um, obviously this is done in audio, but when Sienna and I first started talking, um, cameras were on and I'm like, hey, you have a little Yoda. And she's like, no, I have lots of little Yodas. And then I'm like, yeah. And so that conversation about geeky kind of came up. Um, so aside from Star Wars, mm-hmm. what other, other stuff do you like? As far as the geekum, um, I love um, so like I'm a big Matrix fan. Mm-hmm. I love Underworld, so I like a lot of like sci-fi stuff. Um, I love old '80s things like Goonies, Princess Bride, Coneheads from the '90s. Mm-hmm. Like I'm serious geeked out. Like you, I'm pretty like in a, and then I'll sit with my. I'm not as big a Star Trek fan, but he is. So I'll sit with him and watch that because he's totally geeked out in that. But that's kind of like, we're nerds and I'm okay with that. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with nerds. Nerds are are individuals and they're sexy too. We like nerds. (laughs) Yeah, when when I met my husband and um, my dad was like, oh my God, two nerds in love. This is really ridiculous. Because we will sit and watch, you know, like do movie marathons of like Harry Potter and we'll watch Star Wars. And he's like, get out of your house. I'm like, it's a pandemic. It's okay. I know. Yeah. There's no peopling happening right now. It's fine. <laughs> Do you listen to audiobooks in general? 
I have like 200 audiobooks. On. <laughs> I'm an audiobook fanatic. Okay, good. Um, not putting you on the spot or anything, but who are your top favorite narrators? Well, so I, okay, so I have a lot. So it's, you know, okay, so I, Joe was one of my favorite narrators. That's how I contacted him. Mm-hmm. Like I literally, um, uh, when I was looking for narrators for myself, I was just like, I'm just going to contact everybody I love. And that's how Joe is one of my absolute favorite. Cause that's how I, um, I don't, I can't even remember what book it was that I, he was one of the first narrators. I was like, man, his voice is sexy. And that's literally how I started listening to some books. I was like, I like this voice. And then, um, Andy's voice. I love her voice. But she was narrating as, I forgot what is the other, her other um, name. Mm-hmm. And that's how I originally found her. And so though, I loved Andy and Joe's voice. And so it was just kind of like they, the, them, those two combined, I would be like, okay, let me, if they're narrating, I'll look at the book. But then I've, there's certain authors that, that I love. So I, it didn't matter if it was the narrator or not. If it was the author, I would get the book. Okay. Because a lot of listeners are like the term is like narrator motivated mm-hmm. and we'll have discovered brand new authors because we're following the, the narrator around as far as who's their next client or their backlist too. And so it's always interesting that there's some that will then fall in love with the author and then be, the author becomes an auto buy regardless if it's an audiobook or not. Yeah. So that's a cool thing. And also I um, felt, I listened to a book by an author that I loved and then I loved the narrator's voice so much. So then I started looking for books by that narrator. Like, mm-hmm. and so, um, so I really liked Simone Lewis's voice and I just like, I've heard her voice somewhere. I've heard her voice somewhere. And then I realized it's a, it's um, her all, it's an, uh, it's um, uh, Sonila Nakani's voice. Cause I have her books too. And I buy all her books just from her her name mm-hmm. and then and because she's narrated a bunch of my friends books and then I was like okay that makes sense that's why I buy all those books because I'm attracted to that voice it's just mm-hmm. like I can listen to the narration and then I just was like okay I can just fall into the story one of those things that too that I've had books where I've tried reading them and I'm going I can't do it captain and uh and then I find to see if there's an audiobook and then there is and I'll grab it and it's just a narrator that has been able to get me out of that funk for some reason or the way they read it was just different than how I was reading it in my head mm-hmm. and so that makes it go oh okay that's different oh yeah so as a fan of audiobooks aside from that what made you decide to put your titles in audio I, I kept getting emails they're like are you gonna do this you've promised us are you gonna do this like I <laughs> and then I had uh so every few months I have these group of um super fans that kept messaging me they're like are you lying to us? And I was like, no, I'm not lying to you. I plan to do it. So then in um, November, I all three of them sent me emails. It's like as if they're friends. Mm-hmm. And they sent me like they bombarded me with emails week after week. And I was like, I'm doing it. I promise. So I literally that week I went and decided I was like, I'm going to just bite the bullet and do it. And that's how it all started. Nothing like peer pressure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, that's also nice of you because I know sometimes as fans, we get very passionate about the books and the industry and stuff like that. But it can also be a turnoff for you guys to even tell us anything going forward if individuals behave 
in a negative way. So that was also very nice of you to be like, well, okay, no, fans, yeah. Um, they've been my fans from book one mm-hmm. and they, and I'm really casual with them. They, um, they've also been very supportive of me when um, I had a health crisis this past year, I had a cancer scare and they knew about it. They were the few fa- fans that are kind of friends of friendly with me. Mm-hmm. So they helped me with my reader group and stuff. So they knew. So then if they were on my ass about something, I was okay with it. Okay, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good distinction too, because again, yeah. the intent. <laughs> yeah. Cause they, um, from my very first book rule breaker, they've been my fans. Those are great to have those fans mm-hmm. that are there from day one are awesome. So you decide to have the uh, books and audio and then you're like, Ooh, Joe, Joe Arden, the narrator also owns and operates blue nose production company. Um, and they've been pushing out books left and right for the past couple of months. And you reached out to Joe and how did that process start and go? So literally, um, so I'm one of those people who believes in like manifestation and things like that. And I, I was sitting with one of my girlfriends and she's like, she goes, who do you want to narrate your books? And so I gave her a list of my top male narrators. And then she goes, so what do you want to do? And I was like, I think I'm just going to email all of them. And literally everyone said they could do it. And I was like, well, but then Joe said, hey, I have a production company, so I could make it easier on you. And at the time I was still doing um, treatment for my my illness. And so I was like, you know what? I need someone to handle this because I don't want to handle a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And so I literally was like, well, Joe is my number one narrator. So, okay, this is, this was meant to be. And that's literally how it all got into production. And he he literally has made it very easy for me to just say, here you go. Here's my book. Take care of it kind of thing. When it comes down to the casting of the characters, because these are your, you know, your babies and you mm-hmm. know these characters. Um, do you provide, um, in this case, the production company, Blue Nose, with information so they can uh, figure out the casting? And then do they come back to you with options as far as for you to select from? Or how does that look like? So for... Um, for my Gods of Vegas series, um, there was also an actress that I follow on Instagram. She's an Indian actress. She's from South Africa. But she, um, because of the pandemic, when she moved to the U.S., her, you know, mm-hmm. L.A. shut down. And so um, I just sent her a message and said, hey, have you thought about doing audiobooks?" And she's like, well, no, not really. But I'm interested. So then I put her in touch with Joe. And mm-hmm. that's how I got Yami. And so I kind of just kind of casted Yami for my books. Mm-hmm. But then when it came to my Street King series, I had given Joe a list of the narrators that I love, female narrators. And then he and he also knew that I wanted to cast narrators that were representative of my characters. So if I had an Indian character, I wanted an Indian narrator. Mm-hmm. If I had a black character, I wanted a black narrator. If I had a Hispanic character, I wanted a Hispanic narrator. Like I was very adamant about that. And so um, he was like, he agreed with my feelings. And so he gave me a selection of narrators and then we pick from there. I know sometimes the authors are not included in the process. Some of them are like, these are the only ones you will cast. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always interesting to see how all this came about because we get the final product. We get the pr- everything's done. And so a lot of the times we get curious as to what that process looks like. Yeah. For me, representation was the big thing because mm-hmm. my books are all about 
um, multiculturalism. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to bring a lot of authenticity, even with narration into it. Yes. And that's a very important point. And I know that especially as of late, the industry has done a lot of changes and has done and gotten a lot better with having these open conversations. And it's just, again, representation is extremely important. When it comes down to that, are you looking more for based on the culture and background of the the, um, the character? Or is it also like if they have a specific accent? Um, the culture and background, and because most of my characters, they're... Um, they, they have the background, but I do, I, my characters are written of the, I jokingly call, um, so there's a saying, it, like it, it's kind of like, I guess it's a little bit, they call it people like me, um, American born confused desis, which means it's like we're American born and we're confused because we have one foot in one culture, one foot in another. Mm-hmm. And so I write characters like that because we are, um, I'm Indian, but I'm also very American. And mm-hmm. so I write characters that are in two cultures. And so it doesn't matter what culture it is. If it's, you know, my, in the new book, Vicious Prince, um, he's, half, um, he's half Puerto Rican, half Indian. Um, in my next book, the character, he's half German he, and half Indian. And so, you know, I always do characters that are uh, biracial or, you know, different or full Indian or full something else. And so I want to bring that culture into my, and so when I um, cast uh, someone for audio, I want someone who is Hispanic or is Indian. And if they have to do an accent, they can do that accent. So when um, Simone Lewis did um, the Indian accents for, um, for my book, Dangerous King, she had it spot on because she she is Indian. No, it's it's cool because I'm also, um, as you were saying, um, half here, half there, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it reminds with a Latin background. And so anytime my spidey senses always kind of come up a little bit in that tinkling, and when it comes down to making sure the representation's there, when it comes down to characters that are of different backgrounds and nationalities, because there's always that stereotype that oh, because you're Hispanic, for an example, then you sound Mexican. Oh yeah you know, or that you have that background because you're from, you know, England or India, there's always these, you know, stereotypes mm-hmm. as we have them. And I know that sometimes even with the best of intents, it can go badly. <laughs> yeah. Cause I don't, I like when we were, um, I do that sheet where you say, what is their accent? I literally mm-hmm. said she's Indian, but she has no accent. Cause I mm-hmm. have no accent. Right. And I grew up here but I'm Indian. But if you talk to my mom, she's Indian, but she's British because she grew up in England. But Mm -hmm. my dad, he has an Indian accent. So Mm -hmm. we're completely, you know, hodgepodge. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. That was Mm -hmm. a house, a fun household growing up uh, for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, because not only the accents, but also the different dialects and the words have different meanings. Oh yeah. And, And again, this is also from experience, even though mine were both latin one was from cuba and one was from chile and then my grandmother was argentinian and she lived with us so those are three different dialects mm-hmm. of the same language and i'm going i'm going to get so in trouble because you know bad words and yeah. different things <laughs> <laughs> a straw is not a straw just a straw in spanish you know yeah <laughs> so i'm assuming it's very similar to your you know upbringing as far as that oh, yeah. having such different dialogue yeah dialects um it does make it for an interesting upbringing 
you know, <laughs> good stories, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's some insane stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, nothing like going into a room and saying that, you know, you're saying you got a job, but the word that you use means you had sex in a room full of your male relate you know relatives that happened yeah, to my and, mom and the Indian cuss words are nothing like English cuss words they're so vulgar mm-hmm. like they're disgustingly vulgar and I'm like why would someone say that you know like you're just sitting there going it makes you want to throw up you know like oh. some of these cuss words and I'm mm-hmm. like but they use it they just throw it around and you're like mm, I can't say those words <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that when it came down to learning them, though, those were all also interesting conversations that you were having, like, what, whoa, especially when the translation has to happen, because, you know, English versus what it is in a different language is totally different things. Oh, you yeah. Know? And so growing up, my mom was really conservative. So I didn't know cuss words. My mom never cussed. She was just like very prim proper. That's just my mom. So my sister and I would call each other farm animals because in our language, that's all we knew. <laughs> then my cousins came to live with us oh. because they were immigrating to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And they were using these words and they were like, why are you calling each other farm animals? And so then they started teaching us these cuss words. <laughs> Our mind was blown. And it was just like, oh, my God, we, no one told us this, these words. It was just insane. Some of the stuff we learned. That's what you get when you get male cousins moving into your house. Yes, it's always a cousin. I, I've noticed I had the same thing. I had my cousins were, would come over to visit from like South America. And it was always like, mom, 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 what does blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, Viviana, stop repeating what they're saying. <laughs> That's pretty much how it happened in my house too. <laughs> and I go, well, I wouldn't have to repeat if you would have just told me. Do you listen to your own audiobooks when they've come out or when, as far as the proofing process? Oh yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. So I go through the, all of them. Um, and so before we prove anything, um, I'll go through each one and listen. And then if I have any changes, I'll just let um, the audio team know that, you know, Hey, this doesn't sound right or something. And then they'll fix it. I, I know sometimes authors are like, Oh no, 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 no. They can't. The crazy part is when I listen to it, like, so just because they're my books and I, I still buy my own books because I just feel like it's like, you know, it's my book and I want it on my audible list too. Mm-hmm. And so I'll listen to it sometimes. And then I'm like, I'm critiquing my book because it's my book. And I'm like, I shouldn't have written it like that because when I hear it, I critique my book and I don't enjoy it though. So then I'm like, I got to just stop listening to this and I'll go to a book that I really like because it's like when it's your own book, you're so hypercritical. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have other people telling, oh, it's such a good book, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, I didn't like this part of my book. But, you know, it's you're just being hypercritical of your own work. Since you listen to audiobooks and you have your books in audio, are you now finding that as you're writing your books, you're writing it more for audio? Like less tags, you know, more dialogue, stuff like that. Well, I've always gotten dinged for not putting tags my editor's like, I think you need to have more tags because I do a lot of dialogues. And she's like, who's saying this? <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've never really had that issue because my editor gets mad at me for that already. Okay. Yeah. Cause she's, she used to always tell me, she's like, I need the tag here. So 
that's where I usually end up doing it. Even when um, I send it, sent it in for um, the audio production, I had to go in and I had to go, I had to put in parentheses, you know, this is who's saying it. This is who's saying it. So that way the narrators knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The script prepping fascinating mm-hmm. step too, by the way. Um, those are always fun. But yeah, I was always curious because sometimes because we've moved forward in the audiobook community as far as, you know, more popular mm-hmm. things are being trending. Authors are starting to do that because those di- um, those tags can be a little bit distracting. But in C, you almost like manifested the audiobooks already because you were doing it from the beginning. So <laughs> that works out. Yeah, I, I'm totally a believer in manifestation because mm-hmm. I believe in like, you know, just putting it out there and, mm-hmm. you know, God, universe, whatever anybody believes in. If you truly believe it, it will happen. Mm-hmm. Agree. Do the same thing. I try to get better at that too, because sometimes I'm going, ah, you get jaded, but you know, bringing mm-hmm. back that concept is always important. Um, you mentioned that you like to travel, but aside from that, when you're not working, what do you do for fun? I cook. I love to feed people. Oh, <laughs> I love to cook. Um, so my children love to make like sweet stuff and I like to cook savory things. So like I will, I will, I buy cookbooks. Mm-hmm. I love cookbooks. And so I will look through cookbooks and th- see things that make me hungry. And then I'm like, I'm going to make that. I'm going to make that. And when my kids were younger, they would pick, like they would just spin the globe and they'd put their finger down and we'd try to find a recipe from whatever spot in the, con- the world that they picked and do stuff like that. We'd make recipes from all over the world. Sometimes it was really hard to find recipes because if it was like a country that I could not find a recipe from, we'd have to spin again. That's a cool idea though. And I just love to cook. It's fun. So like I'm going to have my mother-in-law just invited her whole family to my house for 4th of July. Nope. You know, that's (laughs) mother-in-law. I love how you said that. And so I will be cooking for 15 people. And so I was just like, you know what? It's all good. I love to cook. And this is the first time all of us are getting together since before the pandemic. So I'm like, we'll have fun. Wow. I'm just going to cook up. Like it's going to be so much food because they're all staying at my house too. Oh my God. I'm going to have kids coming out of all ears of my house. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, no, it's good. And it's um, so that's happening for the July 4th. So I'll check in with you to see how you're doing and how all that stuff went afterwards. Well, we'll be, there'll be a lot of tequila drunk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Um, I love the idea of the globe and I might start using that for the whole like concept of, hey, what do you want to eat today? We can just spin the globe and figure out if you want Italian or Chinese or something mm-hmm. else, you know, and kind of go there. Um, I'm in a similar boat. So at the beginning of June, the 5th to the 12th, I'm traveling to Destin, Florida, which is on the Panhandle mm-hmm. with my um, my in-laws and other in-laws, like sister-in-law and brother-in-law. Stuff like that. There's a total of 15 of us. And yesterday I wanted to confirm when they said that each family takes turn cooking for the, you know, everybody, if it was everybody in the house that we're in, because we have to rent two different houses because there's 15 of us, mm-hmm. or if it's all 15, it's all 15. <laughs> and, um, and then my, my, my mother-in-law is like, but you don't have to worry about that stuff. I mean, you're a chef, you know how to do this stuff. I'm going, yeah, it's still different. <laughs> 
that's what my mother-in-law is like well you know this person has this and this person doesn't like this I was like I don't care if this person doesn't like it the person with allergies is the person I care about Mm -hmm. if you don't like it there's fast food Mm -hmm. the person who has allergies I will accommodate yep that's actually my (laughs) next text is to everybody saying okay can I have a list of any allergies um or sensitivities that I need to know about as far as like some people are not specifically allergic to gluten but have sensitivities to them and like I have one that I just need for like five minutes straight mm-hmm. um or get tummy upsets and stuff like that so I rather just keep that in mind um but yeah otherwise I'm going uh-huh this is gonna be fun because the age range is like grandparents age to like I think the youngest one is like six mm-hmm. so it's gonna be fun yeah same with us I'm, I've got in the 70s all the way to seven nice <laughs> So you're checking on me. <laughs> I'll be like, how are you surviving? Yes. Did you bring your big tequila bottle? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll check it on you for July. Yep. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. <laughs> oh, goodness. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. It's going to okay. be fine and stuff like that. It's just one of those things where because of the volume, I'm like, it's okay. I was at a, a home goods. you know that um, store Mm -hmm. and I love them good I can get lost in there me too and I was in the food section and then I saw they had gnocchi and Mm -hmm. but they had it in these huge bags so I got three of them thinking that should be enough no it's not but (laughs) now I can use that as an accompaniment to something else I'm going to cook for when it's my turn but yeah uh, yeah, that had me going oh I was like so happy when I saw that pesto on it yes and throw tomatoes in there uh-huh that's what i was and, thinking too and mushrooms yeah mm-hmm. and some cheese yep and Done. you got a nice side dish mm-hmm. exactly it's exactly what i was thinking about doing and i was thinking about maybe adding some cute um some other like squash or anything just to give it more of a filler mm-hmm. um oh but i'm also thinking uh doing a meat sauce with it and so having people do either the pasta one or the meat sauce and then they can oh, choose yeah that sounds good too yeah i like giving people options i like you i like to cook and i like to feed people and i like to have that that feel like when you're eating the food you're going oh you know yeah. for the various reasons um, yeah i like to do like i i everyone knows that i always do something like you know i do for the majority and then i'll do like um some indian stuff for my in-laws mm-hmm. and then it's crazy because everyone's always like well the indian stuff smells really good <laughs> i'm like no that's not for you guys <laughs> y'all get traditional you know fourth of july fair they get Hot the dogs, yeah <laughs> what is your favorite thing to cook favorite thing to cook honestly it just depends on the day mm-hmm. um I love, I, I love to make Italian food, but I, I don't like to make traditional pastas and stuff. I like to make like um, the braised things like, you know, Northern Italy stuff yes. where it's not mostly pastas. It's, no, it's like more meats, yeah. the chicken, the, the veal, things mm-hmm. like that. Like I, I told my husband, I was like, I want to go to Tuscany and cook. I want to go into those areas of Italy and go do cooking classes. Yeah, I was going to tell you that they have stuff like that there where they, you can go and do cooking classes. Just make sure that you try to find the ones that are more authentic than touristy kind. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. That's a good thing to do. Um, similar to all my list of things to do as well is that. And uh, even the wine process and how they do stuff is always fun for me. Mm-hmm. That's good. So we'll have to figure out um, 
how to get some of those recipes from you that you decide to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you could have any animal as a pet, so not just your traditional domestic animals, mm-hmm. um, what would you, what would it be and why? Okay, if I could have any, any animal, animal, I would love a penguin. I know it's the weirdest thing. <laughs> An emperor penguin. I just find them so cute. They are adorable. They're adorable. But, yep. you know, I live in Houston and they would die. But... <laughs> <laughs> They're just so cute. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah, Houston gets hot. And it's just like, it's they're just beautiful creatures and they're so resilient because sub-zero, you know, mm-hmm. minus 100 degrees and they can survive. Yeah. And they also they they have other characteristics that are they're fascinating too. I mean, they're monogamous, and they'll they'll the father will be the one to take care of the eggs too. It's it's a lot of things. That's a cute animal. That's that mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. So, what song, since you like the music, do you have to sing along with when you hear it, regardless of where you're at? I have so many. <laughs> um. So old school wise. Probably anything by Salt and Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old, okay, so like I'll be 45 this year. So I love I so I love anything that's old school hip hop. Um, anything, okay, so modern wise, let's see. Um, damn, now that now that I'm like on the spot, my brain just went <laughs> dead. <laughs> that's just what happens to me. Like, hey. Been there, done that. <laughs> like my brain just literally went dead. Hmm. Let's see. I'm trying to think. Uh, literally, my brain is totally mush now. That's fine because now all I have in my head is you being in the supermarket at Kroger's and just listening to, you know, any of Salt and Pepper's coming out there, you know, push it, baby, push it real good and yeah. have you there in the middle of the aisle. I'll be, I literally have done that. My girlfriends and I, we were, where were we? Oh, we were at, um, um, we were at, um, um, uh, Book Lovers Con, which it used to be RT. Yeah. And I remember one of the, uh, we were, we were standing in line and Push It came on and we just all looked at each other and we started do- dancing <laughs> and people are looking at us like, these women are insane. I'm like, it's our generation. We can dance to Yes, we know this song. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just fun. You know, just it's be fun. ridiculous. Yeah. And those kind of conventions like that, when you go with the group of friends is always fun. But also when you meet and you meet new people and you're hanging out with them. And, you know, we have at least one thing in common, which is the love of books. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we have more conversations. And then when stuff like that happens and you're like, oh, you too. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> So that's always fun. But now I'm yeah. going to have that anytime I hear salt and pepper, I'm going to think of you now. So, oh, that's awesome. Yes, exactly. Um, what's your favorite word? Favorite word? Mm-hmm. What do we say? Well, I use the word fuck a lot. Well, that's your favorite I... curse word. That's, what, that's where I, I, that's a separate question. Okay. I... <laughs> favorite word? word. Hmm. I have no idea. My favorite word, let's see. Resilience. I think 
I, I have that everywhere in my office, resilience. Cool. And now what your favorite curse word is. <laughs> I use fuck a lot. <laughs> I guess that has to be my favorite word. Okay. Yep. But again, I mean, with your background, you have different options too. Yeah. But And I also, like in my writing, I use cock a lot. So, you know. <laughs> It's okay in Arden's Gardens, we have Cock Saturdays. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> we're now we're like on the lookout for roosters and we're like at Good Homes. And I'm going, Oh, there's Joe. <laughs> Take a photo, send it to the group. <laughs> Nothing like shopping for family, and then you have that image there. Um, but yeah, no, fuck is a great word. It's 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 can be it's very versatile, has lots of different usage, so it's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have come down to the game section of our chat. Okay. We're going to ask our guest about to tell us two truths and a lie, where you tell okay. us three, you know, three things, and we have to figure out which one is the lie. And I say we because I like to think that the listeners are hanging out with me at the same time, and we're going to try to figure this out. Um, and the listeners will put their comments in there to see which ones they thought was a lie and if they got it true or not. So whenever you're ready. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, shoot. Um, so two, two, two truths and a lie. Um, I was stuck on an elevator with two hot coworkers. I went into labor on a plane. I had an arranged marriage. All very possible. <laughs> okay, let's see. Stuck in the elevator with two hot guys is a lie? No. (laughs) (laughs) That is actually a truth. That's actually true. Okay. Well, I remember you were saying corporate world and finance. And I was trying to remember because I, you know, work for a Fortune 500 company too. And I'm trying to remember. No, they aren't that. That's not like the books in real life. (laughs) Okay. So, um, Gave labor on a plane is a lie then? Yeah. Okay. Got it. Okay. That would have been my second choice too. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. So that was, um. so these two guys, were they, <laughs> you were literally stuck in an elevator, like in your building? We were, um, they were doing, um, so I was in Chicago and we worked in uh, one of the towers and they were doing maintenance and mm-hmm. they didn't tell us. <sighs> And so it was only supposed to be like a minute, but because we were going down from like the 40 something floor in between, it's just Mm. stopped. And we just all looked at each other like, and I'm claustrophobic. And so I was just like, what the hell is just happening? And then we all looked at each other. And then we get a text message saying that, you know, um, they're doing maintenance. We're like, "Uh, there's people in the elevators. Oh gosh. And so it was only like 15 minutes, but we were there and I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to freak out because there's really two hot guys on here <laughs> because they're really hot and we go to lunch and stuff normally. Oh, okay. But you know, they're really hot. <laughs> and it's also different when you're, you know, passing them or mm-hmm. you do things like lunch, but to be stuck in a room in that kind of a situation. Yep. Yeah. It's definitely different. And I just scenario. didn't want to freak out. Yeah, because that would have been bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes for a great book, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, true. <laughs> that would make a great, you know, mm-hmm. male, female, male, or male, yeah. male, female. That would be a really good book. Yeah, it would. There was one that I read where the hero and the heroine get stuck in an elevator. And then in the building that I was in, which wasn't a huge building, but it was at least five floors. And I was closest to the service elevator. So that's what we would use in that area. And man, that one time that it just did that whole like bouncy thingy and then it stopped without the doors opening. I'm like, this would make a really good book if I was in this room with a hot guy. I was by myself. Otherwise, please open the fucking room. (laughs) Exactly. You know, it's like, ah, no, um, that's not how this works. Um, then that the one time that it wasn't with the hot guy, but whatever. Um, <laughs> everybody was safe. That was important. But yeah, lack of communication, people. Mm-hmm. It's important that you tell what's going on. <laughs> yeah, they were supposed to have made sure that the, all the elevators came down to the bottom floor before they turned off the power. Oh, my God. And they didn't. Mm, someone never got that memo, huh? Yep. Jesus. Anyways. <laughs> So before we go, can you tell us what you're currently working on and what's coming up next for you? I am currently writing the third book in the Street King series. I started writing chapter one yesterday. And the next book in the Street King series comes out in August. It's Vicious Prince. And I'm super excited about it because it was the it was one of the toughest books I had to write because it it's um it's a character that people, the hero. I had people have serious reaction to <laughs> in book one because of he uh, uh, feelings about him in book one mm-hmm. and so I had to redeem him. And so it was just like, it, I had to write a lot about him and I had to go into very deep emotions about this guy. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, but I love these two characters a lot. That happens too, right? When there's a character that we're going, mm, don't like them. And then we find mm-hmm. out that they're the, the the hero in the next one. I'm going, oh, how is she going to do this? Yeah. Uh- <laughs> but there's a whole rhyme and reason why I did it. Because mm-hmm. it's um, the whole book is, you know, about people getting second chances. You know, mm-hmm. like, because there's a lot of people who have done things in their lives that they're not proud of or they become things that they're not proud of and how they have to redeem themselves because they're actually good people, but yeah. they've had made bad choices. And so it's like that kind of story. Okay. Yeah. And when I wrote it, I, there's like a few scenes in there that I actually ended up crying. Right. After I wrote it, I was like, I got up and I cried. Wow. And I called my girlfriend. I was like, why did my own book make me cry? And then she was just like, cause that's a good scene. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I sent it to one of my girlfriends because I was like, is this, is this book? Okay. And she, she's like, you got me crying. And I was like, okay, good. I did my job. Yeah. You guys like making us cry. Well, I didn't expect, <laughs> I've never really made anybody cry in my book. And then this scene really hit me hard mm. and it, but I also channeled stuff that happened to me in real life mm-hmm. when I wrote it. So then I was like, okay, maybe that's why it hit me so hard. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, this book impacted me harder than I expected. It's sometimes it's it's amazing what resonates with the listener, the reader, uh, as well as the author as they're writing the stories. I know that I'm not much of a crier at all, mm-hmm. and there's been maybe one or two books in the ten years that I've been doing all this stuff that have made me cry. Um, but you guys are hilarious with your uh, cups, like mugs that say, you know, 
drinking the tears of my my readers mm-hmm. or Joe, you know when you have those like yes i made this is gonna make you cry and then you always have that one fan that also says i don't cry and they're like haha gold cheat when they do yeah. uh so it's always fun and yeah. i was really excited because my editor she's she's really tough and she goes this is my favorite heroine you've ever written and i was like really okay i did good because it's oh. very hard to impress her <laughs> Well, that's good. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, we, ha- we have those people in our lives that we're going, okay, if they like it, then I'm good. Yeah. You know, so that's or extra bonus, you know, points if they liked it. So that's really cool. Cool. I'm looking, I'm, I'm really looking forward to these upcoming releases. Um, anything else that you have down the pipeline that you want to share? Well, I've got those going. I've got um, German releases of my books coming out, working on that French releases, and um, I, um, I will next year, hopefully when conferences start, well, I am going to Shameless at mm-hmm. the end of the year. So I will be there. And hopefully you'll be coming to the Blogger Breakfast because I'm hosting it. Oh, nice. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be a fun party. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm so excited about Shameless. You have no idea. I'm like, I freedom from Texas. <laughs> it's in november so we should be having some nice cool weather by then where it's not too cold not too hot oh i don't even care if it's hot i just want to go <laughs> okay <laughs> yes i will definitely be there for you know hanging out with you guys there yeah it's i'm just looking forward to a fun time with readers and author friends and just a, you know just having a good time mm-hmm. and so it'll be that that's something to look forward to and then next year um book bonanza and I have no idea. I've, I signed up for everything that I could. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will check out your website to make sure yeah. that you've listed what's coming up and we, that way we can do a Santa hopping and yeah. kind of, you oh, know, and then vicious Prince will be narrated by Gregory Salinas and um, Simone Lewis. Thank you, Sienna, for being my guest for this year's audiobook loving series. Appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. And everyone, thank you for hanging out with us today. And we hope you've enjoyed this episode as well as the series. And until next time, happy listenings. The Audiobook Love and Podcast has special Patreon incentives. Join today to receive early access to podcast episodes, exclusive content with our guests, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' series, hosted by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. We hope you have enjoyed this episode as well as the series. We've included audio samples of our guests' work within the post for you to check out. Please make sure to visit the main page, link within the post, to learn more about the series, the authors, and the narrators. Please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to this series if you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to follow us on our social media platforms and subscribe to the Viviana Enchantress of Books newsletter. Until next time, happy listening. Audiobook Lovin' hopes you've enjoyed this program.